listening to a Sharesies podcast. It's Monday the 8th of November. You are listening to Recap, made for you by Sharesies. Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create the most financially empowered generation. Here's the disclaimer. Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. Hi Alice. Hey Jose, how are you? Good, thank you. Welcome to a brand new week. It is, it's a whole new week. It's Monday. The sun is shining. I know, we were just talking about before before we started recording how what a lovely day it's been. Yeah, I even made it to the beach yesterday, which was great. Oh, that sounds that's, amazing. That's how you know it's the start of summer, right? Yeah. I, I I just can't wait. That was a very declarative statement from you, Alice, even just sort of made that hand-choppy motion. She was <laughs> like, no, that's definitely how you know how supper is. And she's right. She's absolutely correct. We um, we had a lovely weekend as well. I was sort of knee-deep in uh, puppy toilet training. Not literally, of course, but... Uh, you know, right in the middle of that, trying to make sure the new dog stops going inside. Please stop going inside. But we should crack on because there's quite a lot uh, happening around at the moment. Let's start off locally. Alice, what's been happening? Well, we've got some financial results from Trust Power, actually. Uh, now, Trust Power is the electricity generator and retailer that's listed on the New Zealand Stock Exchange. And so they released their half-year results this morning. Uh, these are for the six months ended September the 30th. Great. And how did Trust Power go for the half-year? Well, net profit after tax came in at $115 million for the six months. This is a big jump from the $35 million profit uh, that the company made in the first six months of the previous financial year. So Trustpower said that the increase in net profit was largely due to uh, non-cash fair value gain on financial instruments. (laughs) A what? Yeah, I'll say that again, a non-cash fair value gain on financial instruments. Uh, So... What this is referring to are um, agreements that Trust Power use to manage their electricity price risk. Um, so to put it simply, because the day-to-day price of electricity changes, often electricity companies will use contracts to lock in a price that they'll have to pay to either buy or sell electricity at a date in the future. Now, this gives them more certainty over the price that they'll either pay or receive uh, for electricity, you know, and it, it, it's leaving less just up to chance or, mm. or you know, um, it basically yeah, gives them the certainty. Yeah. How the price of electricity moves compared to that price that's then locked in will then create either a gain or a loss to the company. Uh, so it's these gains from these sort of contracts that's that have boosted Trust Power's profit for these six months. All right. So if we sort of take out the effect of those gains, how did Trust Power do? That's a good question. And Trust Power actually reports uh, on a few different metrics that sort of take out these effects. One of them um, is called operating earnings or EBITDAF. Now, th- what this figure does is it takes that net profit figure and it excludes those fair value gains that we were talking about, um, along with a bunch of other things, and it focuses on what they say the underlying performance of the company. Uh, Trustpower also says that this is a commonly used metric in the electricity industry uh, to measure performance. Cool. And what did that figure come in at? 
So total operating earnings came in at $122 million for the six months. That's up 11% from this time a year ago. Uh, Trustpass said that this number was driven by higher generation volumes and higher wholesale prices. And speaking of generation volumes, um, that was up 6% compared to a year ago at 1,000 gigawatt hours. Mm. And am I right in thinking that Trustpower is selling part of their business? That's right. They're in the process of selling the retail side of uh, their business to Mercury, which is another listed Kiwi energy company. So this sale would include the part of Trustpower that sells electricity to consumers, as well as the company's gas and telecommunications operations. And was there an update on that in the results today? Yeah, in today's announcement, Trustpower said that the sale has now met two out of three conditions that uh, they need in order for the deal to go ahead. So first, uh, Trustpower's shareholders have approved the sale. They did that back in September. Second, Mercury has had green light from New Zealand's Commerce Commission. Uh, Now, the Commerce Commission was checking to see whether the sale would substantially reduce competition in the industry. And so the third and final condition that still needs to be met actually relates to one of Trustpower's key shareholders called Tauranga Energy Consumer Trust. Now, Tauranga Energy Consumer Trust needs to complete a restructure of their organisation. And then once that's completed, the deal uh, will have met that third and final condition. Now, Trustpower said that they expect that condition to be met before the end of the financial year. Thanks, Alice. So what has Trustpower said about the outlook for the company? Well, Trustpower's chair, Paul Ridley-Smith, he said that Trustpower remains focused on their current business while building the capability to prosper under Manawa Energy. Now, Manawa Energy is what Trustpower plans to rebrand and rename itself as, um, provided that the sale of the retail business goes ahead. Manawa Energy, uh, he said, will be focused on developing renewable generation capacity, specifically with an interest in wind and solar energy. Uh, But looking more in the short term, Trustpass said that they expect their full year EBITDAF to be in the range of $210 to $215 million, which is uh, in line with earlier guidance that the company has given. And lastly, is Trustpower paying a dividend? Yeah, Trustpower announced a fully imputed interim dividend of 17 cents per share, and that's going to be payable on the 3rd of December. All right, I'm interested to hear more about this next story because it may be one of the biggest buyouts ever in Australian history, right? Absolutely. So the company being pursued is Sydney Airport. Uh, It's the only listed airport in Australia, by the way. And this morning, the board announced that it had unanimously agreed to a buyout offer from the Sydney Aviation Alliance. Okay, so this has been going on for a while, right? Like we've actually talked about this deal on Recap before. Uh, what's the background here? Uh, now you know what that means. Okay, great, but please don't play the sting. No, I'm playing it. Okay, so the outfit that's been trying to take over Sydney Airport is actually a consortium of infrastructure investors. This includes uh, some Aussie super funds and a US fund manager. And the Sydney Aviation Alliance, or SAA, has been trying to buy the airport since July. 
They've actually made three separate bids for Sydney Airport, right? Yeah, that's correct. And they managed to strike it lucky on the third bid in September where they offered $8.75 a share. Now, that was an increase of 3.6% from the last offer in August. And that means that the airport is valued at $23.6 billion Australian dollars. Now, at that point, the airport board gave the SAA permission to conduct due diligence, basically meaning they were able to look at the airport's financials after signing a non-disclosure agreement. And that was your... Okay, what's the latest? Okay, so the latest is that the airport board this morning said that they believe the outcome of the deal would, quote, reflect appropriate long-term value for the airport. And they also said that they recommended to the airport shareholders that they accept the deal. The company said that a scheme implementation deed had been made. Now, a scheme implementation deed is basically an agreement between what's called the target, in this case Sydney Airport, and the bidder. Here it's SAA. And it basically sets out how the transaction over ownership will happen. Here, in effect, it's the same as a takeover. It also means that they've agreed to a scheme meeting, which is where the shareholders of Sydney Airport will vote to accept or not accept the deed. In other words, they have to decide whether they want to go ahead with the buyout or not. Now, that scheme meeting is scheduled for the first quarter of next year. And for the buyout to go ahead, they actually need 75% of shareholders to vote for it. And then presumably there's also the usual approvals needed from the regulators. Yep, the deed also requires an independent experts report as well as thumbs up from both the competition regulator and the foreign investment review board. So a fair bit of work to be done yet in the coming months. But for now, City Airport's share price reacted by increasing from the close price last week on $8.23 to $8.46 just before we came in to record this very podcast. Just last week, Jose, we talked about Pfizer, the biopharmaceutical company, uh, because they released their latest quarterly earnings. That's right, and Pfizer benefited greatly in their results from sales of the code of vaccine that they've developed. So I take it you've got some more news about Pfizer for us, Alice? I sure do. Pfizer has actually come out to say that they've made headway in the race to develop an oral treatment for COVID-19. Wow, so tell me more about this medicine. So Pfizer has said they've, they've developed an antiviral pill, uh, as I mentioned, used to treat COVID-19. And based on the results of a clinical trial, it's cut rates of hospitalisation and death by nearly 90%. And now the clinical trial tested the drug with adults who had COVID, uh, while also being in high-risk health groups, so people with health problems such as diabetes or heart disease. Now, this pill is actually part of a decades-old family of antiviral drugs that Pfizer has developed, uh, and some of them are used in treatments for HIV and hepatitis C. Now, this drug uh, in, in this pill was actually first identified back in 2003 during the SARS outbreak in Asia. And then last year when COVID broke out, uh, Pfizer researchers decided to revive the treatment and study it for COVID purposes um, because of the similarities between the two viruses. That's really interesting. So Pfizer's got these clinical trial results. What's next from here? 
Well, independent experts have actually recommended halting the company's study because of the strength of the results. This is from what I uh, was reading today. It's a standard process when early results in a clinical trial show a clear benefit. Now, Pfizer has said that they will seek emergency youth authorization to use the pill uh, as soon as possible from the US Food and Drug Administration or FDA, um, as well as uh, approvals from international regulators for other countries. Right. But Pfizer's not the first company to develop a pill that's true that's been used to treat COVID, right? Yeah, another pharmaceutical company called Merck came out a little while back with a COVID-19 treatment in a pill form. Uh, since then, Merck has applied to the FDA uh, to authorise its use. Uh, so that's a bit further along the FDA approval process. In fact, just the day before Pfizer made their announcement, uh, the UK's regulatory agency for approving medicines actually approved uh, Merck's COVID pill, uh, making it the first oral antiviral uh approval for a COVID-19 medicine. So these pills sound like quite the development and being able to treat COVID, right? Yeah, health officials in the US and UK have said that having uh, effective COVID-19 pills could be a game changer in the fight against the pandemic uh, because they're easy to take and you can take them at home. There are already some antiviral treatments for COVID, but they have to be given by IV or injection. Uh, But health officials are still, uh, in the US at least, are still stressing that vaccines remain the best possible way to protect against uh, the virus. Mm. And lastly from me, how have Pfizer and Merck's uh, share prices reacted to this news over the past few days? Well, Pfizer's share price closed up almost 11% on Friday after uh, news of their clinical trial came out. Merck's share price, on the other hand, actually fell about 10% when Pfizer made their announcement. And thanks so much for listening. That was Recap for the 8th of November. It certainly was. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to get in touch, we'd absolutely love to hear from you. Our email is recap at sharesies.co.nz. See you tomorrow. Matiwa, bye.